Hello, my friend, and welcome to this edition of TFU News and Views. I am your host, Anthony Brucali, owner-operator Madman, behind TFU.info, the Toy Archive, the podcast, Transformers University, and of course, this podcast as well. This time around, we are talking about Bumblebee, the live-action film uh, that just came out uh, as of this recording, uh, the sixth in the live-action Transformers film franchise, the seventh overall, and without spoiling right away, and we will talk spoilers, but um, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm going to give you a few minutes of uh, just my thoughts on it without spoiling it, and without spoiling it, uh, wow, <laughs> what a movie. Um, it is fun. It is a lot of fun. Look, it, it's not going to win any Academy Awards. It's it's your typical kind of action flick. Um, but if you were not a fan of the Michael Bay films, and I know many people of my age group were not, you will like this movie a lot. I like this movie a lot. It, uh, it's very straightforward. It is um, a very small cast. There is totally a limited budget as far as some of the things go. So the action sequences are concise and they're clear. They're good. Um, there's a story here. The robots are part of the story. They are characters into themselves. They are not just props. Uh, the human interactions are great. This is very much a reboot of the uh, Michael Bay franchise. Um, I want to call it a soft re you know, people are calling it a soft reboot. We expected a soft reboot. This is not a soft reboot. Um, it's not a hard reboot either. It's like a, uh, a semi hard reboot. Uh, it, it is a three quarter reboot at that um, because it does set up some things for the Michael Bay franchise and it does borrow from the Michael Bay franchise of films uh, and to some extent, but it also negates a lot of the first five live-action Transformers films. So with that said, uh, I do encourage you to go out and see it. Uh, I do encourage you to watch it and, and with an open mind because it is a really good movie uh, as far as just being a fun to watch. And it's insanely watchable. I totally know I'm going to... I don't think I'm going to go back to the theaters because I don't think I'm going to have time to catch this another time in the theaters. But this is one you could totally put on on TV after you've seen it once and uh, just pick up where you catch it on the TV or leave it on in the background while you're doing things. Uh, it's very watchable and there's there's a lot of neat little uh, tidbits and Easter eggs. It is rated PG-13, but that's more for the violence than anything else. There are no cringeworthy moments like you would uh, normally get in a Michael Bay film. Uh, there is no over-sexualization of uh, any of the female characters. Um, just all in all, uh, a great movie, a good time. Uh, it's a good time at the movie theater. So yeah, uh, do I encourage you to go see this in movies? Absolutely. Uh, you're missing out if you're not. In fact, I might try to get back just to see this in 3D because I did go to a very early 10 a.m. showing um, of just a standard viewing of this film, and I would like to see this one in 3D and two with a larger crowd. I was one of three people in the entire movie theater. With that said... We are going to get into some spoilers. So I'm going to give you a little time to pause or punch out, okay? We're going to count down from 10. So 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, like my Bob Murphy impression there, 2, 1. This is your chance. Pause because we're going to start spoiling this film 
now. All right, so let's talk about this film with spoilers in mind. The opening sequence, uh, the first four minutes, and I, I watched, it was my phone checking the time. It was all of four minutes, and honestly, that four minutes made, didn't make the movie for me, but man, it, that four minutes was way, way overdue. A great battle scene on Cybertron with Cybertronian modes. And you know what? It's not clear exactly who every single character is up there. Uh, I did, especially on the Decepticon side, I did see um, Thundercracker and, and Starscream, you know, that weren't terribly obvious. Um, and of course, you had Soundwave and Shockwave and um, Optimus Prime. And then uh, Wheeljack, you know, my favorite character, his ears lit up. His ears lit up. They went and did that that his ears would light up when he talked like little tidbits like that i saw ironhide running to the escape pod uh braun gets shot uh presumably in the shoulder uh which we all know is fatal <laughs> or not depending on how you look at it um the R rc uh by the way wheeljack voiced by stephen bloom uh who is uh a part of many many transformers series uh, usually a starscream um oh man what else to say about that sequence it was just it was just good it was glorious and then uh i don't know if anyone else recognized this during the escape hatch scene uh something i noticed is that that spire they were on that was the escape hatch seemed to be designed off of the original cartoons um space bridge tower on Cybertron uh, it really looks like it now whether or not it was or it wasn't or if it was intentional that's a whole other story but uh, that that spire to me was looked like it was heavily influenced by that design uh, and if so kudos to the art team on Bumblebee for making that leap now we go from from there to Earth Bumblebee crashing on Earth in the 80s. So, uh, yep, so much for the uh, last Michael Bay film, The, the Last Night, because uh, that had Bumblebee on Earth during World War II. Uh, not happening. Uh, some of the neat things, he scans a Jeep, he turns into a Jeep, and then when he transforms into robot mode, uh, just such a neat touch, is that he still had the Jeep grill on his chest, and we thought that you know a lot of the early uh, materials made you think that was part of a flashback to... Uh, World War II, and it wasn't, and uh, that was just super cool to me. Uh, before he scanned the uh, the Jeep mode and went to hiding, um, I'm not going to go over all the plot here, but uh, there was just so much there. And then you get your typical uh, fish out of water, alien on Earth plot. Hide the alien, i.e., like ET. Um, alien makes friend. Government comes and kidnaps alien. Like this is it, it's ET with a car, right? Um, but there were so many little, you know, neat little 80s references. So uh, I made a list as I was watching the movie and, and just some of these things that uh, just such cool touches. So uh, when we meet uh, Mimo, well, not the time we meet Mimo, uh, and that's uh, that is Charlie's uh, friend, the, the kid from across the street. He um, when he comes out of his house across the street, he's reading GoBots magazine, uh, which he then tosses into a bush. Uh, we see Charlie eating Mr. T cereal. Uh, one of the Sector 7, another thing borrowed from the Michael Bay films, one of the Sector 7 agents is named Simmons. The sheriff who chases them in the cop car, that is Fred Dreyer. Uh, for those of you who grew up in the 80s watching lots of TV like I did, Fred Dreyer, former football player, also Hunter 
uh, <laughs> of the um, cop drama of the same name. There's a number of uses of the final scene of The Breakfast Club, which, if you didn't know, stars features in that scene Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson was the voice of Hot Rod in the 1986 film. That's such a nice touch. Uh, and, and speaking of the touch, we hear the song The Touch uh, in one scene, which is one of the more obvious things. Um, you know, there's two mentions of, there's a mention of Alf, and we see Alf on TV. Shout out to Brian Kill because he loves his Alf. Um, that's that's not just a throwaway, right? Because Alf is an alien on Earth hiding with a human family. Um, that's very, very deliberate in its choice. And uh, just another nice little touch there. Um, you know, you have your typical hero's tale here with Charlie, which is also very important. You know, uh, the hero's tale usually means the main character is missing a parent, either uh, or two, and uh, she is missing her father. Uh, the use of her as a... Uh, you know, a, a diving prodigy, uh, or, you know, at least a skilled uh, high diver, uh, plays into the film. It's not a throwaway. Everything in this film has a place for the most part. And that's very important. Um, it's important in a good story. Whereas in the Michael Bay films, things showed up out of convenience. Um, in this film, there was very little that showed up out of convenience. And I think that is really where it goes a long way into telling a good story and just being a good movie another neat little art touch bunny uh bumblebee's scanners from his eyes when he's watching things when you see things from his point of view those scanners are honeycomb shape uh just another you know it's not a throwaway thing his name is b his name the b127 i would love to know where that references to because there's nothing i can think of that does and then finally and last little thing on my notes there's always a dam say it again there's always a dam the first cartoon there was a dam the in the first series of episodes <laughs> in the first michael bay film there was a dam in numerous pieces of side fiction that i cover in uh my other podcast transformers university uh there's a dam. There is always a dam. And in the final scene here, when Bumblebee is fighting Shatter, he blows up what is essentially a dam to flood uh, where he is. So all of that together is um, a series of nice touches that have made this movie fun. Now look, the movie, it does have some flaws, and we can talk about those too. I really like the Decepticons in this film, but they're never named, uh, with the exception of Dropkick, as far as I could tell. Um, Ravage is named, Shockwave is named, but Shatter is not named, and Blitzwing is never called by name. So you have these characters who were very important to the film, and they're never shown by name. However, we do see Bumblebee lose his voice uh, and Blitzwing taking it away, which also goes against the Michael Bay continuity of Megatron taking it away. Uh, so there's a lot there we do get the scene at the end where bumblebee scans a camaro and uh rides off with a uh, uh freightliner red with the optimus prime trailer uh it's a neat little fan service touch but let's face it it's just that fan service and so i mean the that's one of my big complaints is the decepticons could have used a little bit more they're good uh they could be better they're still better than anything in any of the um Michael Bay films, uh, including The Last Night where the Decepticons got 
some decent characterization or at least caricatures as I like to call them. What else? This film, you know, it suffers a little bit from what I like to call Goldberg syndrome. Uh, if you watch the Goldbergs on ABC, uh, that show and uh, another show, uh, Off the Boat, which is also on ABC, they treat their decade as if it happened all at once. So the Goldbergs takes place in the 80s, Off the Boat takes place in the 90s. Both of those shows work as if the entire span of their decade, in the Goldbergs case, it's the 80s, uh, takes place all at the same time. So something that may be relevant from 1984 and something that may be relevant from 1988 take place at the same time. And I feel like the Bumblebee film kind of does that as well. Um, there's use of music in this film, which um, a lot of 80s movies are about, right? There, There's, you know... The original Transformers film was loaded with music. You know, a movie like Rocky IV or Top Gun or Karate Kid Part Two. There's a lot of 80s movies relying heavily on music to carry the story. And Bumblebee does it, but it does it well in that it incorporates it as best it can into his radio for some some parts or into the scenes. Uh, it's very well done. Uh, it does have that 80s movies feel to it. Even the original Karate Kid used a lot of music to carry the scenes. And so this film certainly reads as a love letter to 80s teenage uh, movies, comedies, action, everything. Um, of the other things that kind of irked me about this film, uh, there was a one one minor plot contrivance where Charlie is shooting Bumblebee with the uh, electric guns to kind of shock him back to life. Uh, there was just no, there was nothing that proved that she could do that earlier. Um at least not in her experience. You have the scene where Bumblebee plugs into the wall and kind of shocks himself back, but she wasn't there for that. So there's that, and and, and, and I feel like there was a way to tie that into her father's death because he died of a heart attack, and they probably used paddles on him to try to shock him back to life, and she shocks Bumblebee back to life as if he had had a heart attack. Like There's a missed opportunity there, and I feel like that's something that was probably cut for time, or cut for clarity. So, aside from that, uh, there's not really much to complain about with this film. It's a fun movie. It's a good time. Uh, don't think too hard about it. That's all I, I would tell you. It's not that uh, you can't, uh, say, with the Michael Bay films, where you need to stop thinking when you watch them. But uh, just sit back, enjoy, go for the ride. It's certainly worth it. And that will wrap up this edition of TFU News and Views. If you like the show, if you like the other shows, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash tfuinfo, uh, where all of this stuff shows up uh, with the podcast feeds and everything else and uh, some other assorted fun things like toy reviews and live reports from Toy Fair and New York Comic Con. As always, you can reach out to me on Twitter at tfu underscore info you would like uh to interact with me finally if you want to support the show directly uh swing on by to our patreon patreon.com slash tfuinfo you sign up for there for as little as one dollar you'll get advanced listens to transformers university at least one day ahead of everyone else and a number of other uh great opportunities right now my students over there are actually helping me plan out our coverage of 1986 um, finally 
It's the holiday season. You got any last minute shopping? Please use our Amazon links, tfu.info slash Amazon. Anything you then buy on Amazon, Amazon will kick back a few cents our way. So that'll just about do it. Go out, go see Bumblebee. Uh, it is so worth the watch. It is so worth the time. It's a great, great fun movie.